This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And finding out you have a serious or life-threatening illness can turn your life upside down. Now, coming to terms with the diagnosis and learning what um, it takes to manage your condition can also take a toll on your mental health. So on this month's episode of Mind Matters, as we lead up into Pink October, I'm joined by Naliza Farorozi, Vice President of the Breast Cancer Welfare Association Malaysia. Um, and who is uh, she's also a breast cancer survivor. And also joining us is Raja Farhana, Raja Hadayadanin, clinical psychologist. And we'll be talking about why we also need to put a spotlight on the mental health of people who have just received a cancer diagnosis, who are sort of figuring out how to manage their physical health as well. Thank you, ladies, for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you. Anne. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Um, I'll start with you, Nell. You know, you're here. You've been very open about sharing your personal journey. Um, take me back to when you received your breast cancer diagnosis in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. You know, what, what were the circumstances that led up to that point? What do you remember most from that moment? What I remember most from that moment was the feeling of disbelief. Um, <clears throat> confusion, disbelief, uh, denial. Um, okay, I I come from a family with a history of breast cancer. My my mom passed away uh, due to breast cancer, which has metastasized to her lung. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, several aunts who had breast cancer, and a few already passed on. And um, I have one more aunt who's surviving. Um, and I have cousins uh, who also have breast cancer. So I'm, uh, I would not say that I, I am shocked. You know, mm. I was shocked to, to learn that I had breast cancer. But it's just that uh, I have been taking precautions, you know, uh, to mitigate that risk. So I was, uh, I was doing my best to live a healthy lifestyle. You know, I, I even go uh, vegetarian like twice a week. Um, and I exercised moderately, uh, and I was, for uh, a time, I was uh, actively gracing go karts and climb, you know, doing climbing mountains. Um, yeah, so I think moderately active lifestyle. So I was surprised, you know, and I actually got it. Mm. Were you doing a routine screening when you uh, realized that you you were diagnosed? No, I missed out on my routine screening for. Uh, five years. Mm. Okay. The reason being, um, I was posted to um, Kuantan, mm -hmm. um, and then um, when I came back, um, I I was taking care of my my mother who was ill, mm -hmm. and prior to that, I was also taking uh, care of my mother in law who was mm -hmm. ill. So um, I forgot about myself. Mm. This wasn't your first. Healthcare, Nell. You know, I understand no. that you had a health. Uh, you had a stroke in twenty fourteen as well. Um, twenty thirteen. Sorry, twenty thirteen. Yes. Okay. Um, could you share a bit about that? And I guess did did you do you think that that influenced how you then viewed or how you accepted your breast cancer diagnosis? Because then it was your second time sort of dealing with the health issue. Uh, yes, uh, I had a stroke in uh, twenty thirteen. Um, I think at that point I was working myself too hard. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh. Uh, collapse when I was working at uh, Lima, the air show. Mm. Um, and 
I it took me at least six months to recover to be uh, functional, mm. and another six months towards full recovery. Um, so during that uh, recovery uh, period, I actually uh, did a lot of positive uh, uh, reinforcement. You know to uh, to psych myself up. Uh, you know to be strong, and I. I managed to actually recover in in a in a very fast time that actually surprised my doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the first scare actually pr- uh, prepared me for the second uh, scare. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Farhana, turning to you, um, earlier now shared, you know, her feelings of disbelief, of confusion, of denial. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've heard before from other clients when they deal with a health diagnosis like this? Yes. So, uh, basically, not just when it involves um, illnesses, mm. um, any bad news, we will call it in mm. this term like bad news, like uh, something that very impactful. Uh, I would say the process or the emotions that come are somehow similar. Mm. So first, shock. Even though, even though maybe before that you kind of know that uh, from, uh, for example, like Nail, like uh, she said that she has a history of family with um, breast uh, with cancers. Mm. But still, mm. when you receive it yourself, you have shock, disbelief, and then maybe anger as well. Uh, for those um, who have uh, been practicing. A healthy lifestyle, but still have it. So they feel angry and um, fear, I would say, disbelief, fear, shock, denial. And then um, the anxiety and depressions are mm. these two, um, I would say, uh, emotional issues might come later on, like the reactions from that. Mm. But the first, first um, emotions or how you feel is actually that shock disbelief anchor so just like grief mm. yeah I would not say it's normal or um, not normal mm. mean uh, what normal for one person might might not be normal to another person it's still right? very individual individual right? yes so but then um, the usual mm. um, report or usual feelings that I receive from clients are this you know so some um, but then how, how they want to overcome that that's another. Mm. Think, yeah. How would you usually talk to clients about mm-hmm. all these emotions that they are feeling then? Because I can imagine it must be so overwhelming at that point. Yes. So, but then, um, but then again, like uh, when they receive this, mm. the first thought usually um, involves needs, I would mm. say. Meaning that, okay, so from now on, what are the treatments? So what, what should I do? So what about the my family? So what about uh, my loved ones? So how how uh, where am I going after this? You know, from moving on, what should I do? So other things might come later on. You know, mm. so first it involves the need first, the individuals need, and also the, the the people around yes, them. Yes, right? yes, correct. So we have to address that first. Mm. Meaning, okay, so uh, if they have bodily reactions, for example, like anxiety comes, mm-hmm. bodily reactions mean palpitations, and then maybe they have difficulty breathing. That we we uh, tackle that first. We address mm. that first. How you want to do relaxation? Um, how to manage that? But the deeper part of psychological interventions, you mm. know, come later on mm. after you address all these needs. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely get more into that a bit later. I'm turning back to you, Nell. How did you manage then, you know, when you received that breast cancer diagnosis? What helped you to cope, to come to terms with what your needs were? Okay. Um, in my case, um, I'm very grateful that I have a very supportive uh, husband. Uh, he has been my pillar of support. Um, he was there when I first received the diagnosis, and he has uh, been there uh, with me throughout. And I also have uh, very supportive friends mm. uh, who give me the support as well. Um, uh, I would not deny, in the beginning, uh, I actually felt really down. Um, um, I, I, I can't. I can't see whether it's depre- feeling depressed or what, but I, I, I would call it emotional break, uh, meltdowns. Mm. Yeah, emotional mm. meltdowns because you're dealing with pain, you know. And then uh, you're in isolation because mm. you are immunocompromised, so it's not recommended for you to be going out. Mm. And, and during that time, it was also the MCO. Mm. Um, so when your immune system is down, you have to be also isolated from, you know, people. So um, also very selective uh, about who comes and visit and mm. they have to go through rigor- rigorous sanitize, you know, sanita- uh, sanitizing. Um, um, so um, in my case, I, I resorted to writing. Mm. Yeah, I, I write, um, I do journaling. I basically post them on Facebook. Um, so that other uh, people, um, whether they, they are, you know, cancer survivors or caregivers or who have a family or friends who have cancer can relate to what I'm going through. Mm. And um, yes, I, there are um, people who actually, uh, you know, um, direct message me, mm-hmm. uh, asking me a lot of things and then... Um, and a few of them actually were afraid of going through mastectomy or going through chemo. Mm. And then after speaking to me, they, they decided to, to go uh, mm. with it. Uh, I, normally, I usually uh, uh, am very open and honest about how I feel. I, I will not lie that, you know, uh, you have a lot of discomfort, a lot, a lot of pain here and there, especially the joint pain, mm. the fatigue. You know the nausea and the diarrhea, um, a, a lot of uh, side effect that comes with chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also help them um, with how to cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how to how to overcome that. Um, and then uh, because mental health is very important, yeah. so writing is my way, my outlet. Mm. So I even uh, was given a column by Malaysia Gazette to mm-hmm. write about my journey. Yeah. Mm. Farhana, from a mental health professional's mm-hmm. perspective, I know a lot of you recommend journaling to clients. Yeah. Why is that? Okay, so when you do journaling, actually, you can see... First, um, I always um, advise my... Not to say advice, recommend my client uh, to do journaling because first, they need to let it out. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be an out, as an outlet. Mm. So, yeah, I have a client who said that you know, I don't know what to write. So sometimes mm. that's the problem because they think that it's a work. So it mm. should be like a 
free flow writing. I think mm-hmm. if you've never done it before, it can feel very intimidating, right? Exactly, exactly. Because you have to um, accept things mm. and also you also have to face your emotions mm-hmm. and difficulties while writing that. And uh, it's very scary to, to do that if you're not mm. used to it. So, and also, well, uh, if you do journaling, uh, you can reflect back mm-hmm. on how was it before, mm. you know. So, let's say five years, not even five years, one year from now, a few months from now, when you look back, oh, before I actually went through this. So this was how I was before. Mm. So you can reflect things and you can see your progress in terms of, even in terms of um, in, uh, like um, when you went through therapy, so you can see your progress through mm. journaling because you want to see, oh, before this is how I cope. I cannot cope with it. And now I cope well or better. Mm. So that's what journaling as well for. All right, we'll go for a quick break now and continue this discussion when we come back on the show with me today, Annalisa Farrarozzi, Vice President of the Breast Cancer Welfare Association, as well as a breast cancer survivor herself, and also clinical psychologist Raja Farhana Raja Hariyadanin, joining me for this month's Mind Matters series, where we're talking about why mental health um, should also be a priority for people who are struggling with physical health issues. We'll be right back after a few messages. So keep it here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. You are tuned into our monthly episode of our Mind Matters series where we explore various aspects of mental health and mental health policy. Now on today's show, um, in the lead up to Pink October, we are spotlighting um, breast cancer and mental health. We are in the studio with me, Annalisa Farorozzi, Vice President of Breast Cancer Welfare Association Malaysia, and Raja Farhana Raja Hadeyadanin, clinical psychologist. Um, before the break, Nell was sharing um, what her journey was like being diagnosed with breast cancer, the the, the, the sorts of emotions she went through um, at that point of diagnosis and also how that was also shaped by her previous um, health scare in 2013 when she had a stroke. Um, you know, and, and Farhana has also reassured us that there is really no right or wrong way to feel in that moment. You know, it's everything is very individualized. Um, picking up on something you mentioned before the break, Nell, um, and, and I, I'm going to use this to segue into your treatment journey. You mentioned that you had a mastectomy. Correct. Um, what was that like for you when you had to make that decision? Because for most women, it's not a small decision to make. It's, it's. I mean, it's not a life-threatening surgery per se, but it's still a big decision. Um, what was that like for you? Okay. When I received the diagnosis and then, uh, you know, I was advised to go for a mastectomy, I was given two weeks to think about it mm-hmm. by the breast surgeon. Um, I did not take that long to decide. I took only three days. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, you know, I always have this principle, you know, uh, whenever you feel down, uh, take two days to, to do your victim story. And then by the third day, you must have a victim story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the third day, I said, okay, I'm going to do what's necessary because this is life-saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be practical about it. I mean, if you want to be, uh, you want to save your life, you cannot be too sentimental about about something. Um, yes, um, our, for a woman, mm-hmm. uh, the breast is a very important uh, part of our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, and... 
uh, I, I, I will not deny that, you know, it kind of completes a woman, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, uh, having said that, um, I, I would say um, having a mastectomy is at first, you know, very scary. Mm-hmm. Just to, to think about it is very scary. Um, but when you come back to being rational, um, you know, to survive, you need to do what needs to be done. Yeah. So I was taking a practical approach about it. And, um, you know, the after the mastectomy, um, it took me a while for me to actually look at myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, you see something uh, missing from your body. Mm-hmm. Kind of disfigured, you know, in a way. Um, so emotionally, it affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you... you yeah, there are times that I felt a little bit inferior because, you know, I'm sometimes I feel less of a woman, of a woman because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have one breast less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, one of the ways I cope uh, is to have a good talk with my husband. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'm grateful that he's very supportive and he said, you know, it's your body. Um, so it's, it's for you to decide what you want to do with it and then how you feel about it. Then he's okay with me, uh, you know, to, he will take me as I am with, uh, you know, with or without breasts. Uh, you know, his feelings um, are still the same for me. And he in fact joked, you know, he said, you know, if you miss, you know, uh, um, having the breast, you know, you can always borrow his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. So that, that, that helped uh, a lot in, you know, coping, uh, you know, having a partner who has a good sense of humour. Mm. Farhana, I mean, some people might say, well, this is very cosmetic, right, on the surface, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's so deeply tied to a woman's sense of femininity, of a sense of womanhood. How do you, I mean... How do you also help someone through that? Because it's about building back their confidence, right? Yeah. So, when you go through changes, um, of course, there are things about you. Psychologically, you, mm. are, um, you, are, you are going through something as well. So, emotionally uh, as well. So, um, these changes, whatever it is. So, this self-confidence that affected first acceptance playing a a the biggest part, I would say, mm. I'm not sure if Neil agree, but I think that's the first step. Yes, mm. yes, it's the hardest step actually. Mm. Um, from what uh, from what I understand from my client, they say that the the hardest is the uh, the acceptance part, but mm. that's the the first and the biggest. Step. I agree with you, Farhana. Mm-hmm. The first step is always the hardest, but it gets easier after that. Yes, yes, yeah. that's what I told my client as well. Mm. Like, okay, so you have to accept that this is what it is now mm-hmm. okay as painful as it is you have to accept that but what helps actually um like uh, Nell so she talked to her husband so things will will change um how you look at yourself how you feel about yourself and also how you you will be with your partner with your spouse will be different intimacy will be different so mm. relationship might change as well mm. so that's why it's very important to talk to communicate with your spouse with your um partner yeah. and after that uh 
it's actually helped for the acceptance part, with the acceptance part as well, actually. So after that, you have to realise what are the values that you carry with you mm. all this while. Mm-hmm. So of course, uh, we're not trying to minimise this. Mm-hmm. Okay, Losing a body part mm. is not something uh, easy. Mm. But... There are other pieces in your life as well that you have to focus on. Like, okay, so values here mean who you want to be as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as someone, as an individual in a community, who you want to be. And how is that affecting you without this Mm. body part that Mm -hmm. just lost? Mm -hmm. Can you still go on and... Wo- uh, go towards your values mm-hmm. with this um, difficulty. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's very important for them to understand that. Mm-hmm. They miss one pa- one piece of themselves, mm-hmm. but there are other pieces that they have to focus on as well. Mm-hmm. So this actually helped them to understand, okay, so my being here is more than just this. So I can still do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I still go for my goal mm-hmm. with this. So that helped them to actually... Um, get back their self-confidence, mm. knowing that they can do despite having all these difficulties. Mm. Mm. I agree, Farhana. This is one of the reasons why um, I, 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 advo- I advocate to mm. other women, you know, to accept themselves, you know, as yeah. they are, with or without breasts. And, and of course, they can always option for a breast reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you know if it affects them a lot. Yeah, yeah it, it will improve their self confidence. It's ultimately about that mm-hmm. individual and what's Correct. good for them. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, but in my case, I did not opt for breast reconstruction because um, mine is a very uh, aggressive and fast growing breast cancer. It's HER2 positive mm-hmm. and very high uh, KI67. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So. Oh, what is that? High grade. What is um, well, it's it's, a, it's um it's how they measure the the level of aggressiveness right. uh, in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So mine is a very it's considered like very high grade, mm-hmm. uh, very aggressive. Mm. Um, so I I did not want to take that risk mm-hmm. um, because you know having breast reconstruction have a little bit of risk yeah mm. uh, but in in my case I did not want to take that risk and I also did not fancy the idea of going under the knife again. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a scary process, right? Regardless yes. of what it is. Um Farhana mentioned communication. Um and, and I think this is something I want to ask both of you. I'll start with you first, Farhana. Do you find that clients struggle to open those channels of communications with their loved ones in these times? Very, very. Uh because the actually what they're scared uh, the most is the reactions from the mm. uh, from the partner because you don't know you don't know exactly mm. will they sad will they say I, something hurtful I don't yeah. blame them yeah. because personally um, this is true story uh, I know a couple of friends whose marriage actually fell apart mm-hmm. after mastectomy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because the husbands uh, could not come to terms that you know the their wife is like you know quote unquote less perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, 
the reactions from not only partner mm. but also the community, mm. the society, perhaps the family members, even friends. Uh, all these comments uh, maybe uh, they didn't mean to be harmful mm. to that person, but mm. but somehow they are uh, these patients. They already have these uh, mm. thoughts about mm. themselves. Mm. And that actually not helping mm-hmm. when someone says something, and they will, they will definitely take it personally. So mm-hmm. that is even uh, harmful for them psychologically. I mean, so it will emphasize the negative core belief they have about themselves. It's a cycle. It's right? a cycle exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So they. This is what. These are the things that they scared the most mm-hmm. when they want to open up. So having. A partner, mm. they're very supportive, like Neil. So I think you are very blessed to have yes, a very understanding. Very blessed, yes. I'm so grateful. Yes, <laughs> to have a very understanding husband, and he even can make joke about <laughs> it. You know, so yeah. So this helped um, patients with cancer to actually to understand that oh, it's not so bad to talk. Mm. So before the first thing that they have to know before they can open that channel is, is it safe? To open that channel, mm. but how do you know then? I mean, I mean, f- um, to sorry to interject, yeah. but like for that that perspective of mm. say someone mm-hmm. has just been diagnosed mm-hmm. with breast cancer, they want to open up, but mm. they're afraid. Yeah, what would your advice be? Okay, so we have plans. Meaning, mm. okay, let's say you you have to try first. So mm. in in any um difficulties involving anxiety mm-hmm. and fear, you wouldn't know. So you have to somehow face it and try first. Mm-hmm. But you must have plan. What if it backfires? Mm. So mm. what can you do? What mm. are the preparations? Mm. So, okay, so you can get help. You can talk to uh, professionals. You can reach out to professionals if if you really cannot cope with mm. the reactions that you have. Yes, yeah. I can vouch for that. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, in, in my case, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do see uh, I do seek help from a professional. I do see a, a clinical psychologist uh, mm-hmm. to help me cope uh, with my uh, treatments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also joined uh, group counselling sessions because mm-hmm. uh, at, at um, BCWA, mm-hmm. uh, we have a group counselling every month, mm-hmm. every third Saturday mm-hmm. of the month. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those who do not want to be in a group, mm-hmm. not, not, uh, not open to sharing yeah. to group, mm-hmm. uh, they also have one-to-one counselling. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yes. I think that's very helpful mm-hmm. because you don't know what will be uh, the consequences uh, if you open up and you start mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not, very not many people are brave enough to actually speak to a group mm-hmm. of people yes. who are virtually strangers, you know. Exactly, exactly. Does that setting of a group counselling, especially when you're in, in cancer, for mm-hmm. example, because you mm. know other people are going through yeah. similar things, does that make it easier on the individual? I think it helps, but not for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everyone can accept, like, can be open to talk about their difficulties in mm. a group setting. Mm. So, uh, but it helps in a, uh, in a way that they understand that, oh, what they've been gone through actually other people's going through that as mm. well. So yeah. s- somehow they know that, oh, it's not just me who feel this yeah. way. Is that what you hear from others in the peer support group Yes, well? yes. In fact, um, you know, when you start hearing other mm. people talking, mm. and then you then you, you, you will think, oh, I, I'm not alone. Yes. Mm. I'm not yeah. alone in this. Mm. You know, there are others who are just like me. 
Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I have people who, who actually came, you know, af- only after several sessions, you know, only they start talking. Mm. But it's okay. Mm. We, we don't expect, you know, people to start talking right away. They can just listen to mm. others. Yeah. Yeah. That must be so comforting for them. Yes. Yes, yes. I think that helps. But only if they feel safe. To, yes. to do yeah. so. Mm. Even for one-to-one, actually, you need to feel safe. Mm. So that's why for uh, counselling or even therapy, the person themselves have to have to know that this is important. They mm. must want, want to reach out. It's not something that people can force because mm. if, if not, they will not see how it works. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the psychologist or the counsellor can't make that person open exactly, up. Exactly. <laughs> it must come from them. Yeah. Mm. Agree. Uh, from my experience, um, the clinical psychologist only facilitates mm. your recovery yeah. mm. by giving you some techniques, helping you um, kind of uh, put a, a perspective so that when you come out, you you will have a different perspective of you know of your predicament, and mm. you thought, oh, it's not so bad after all. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, from here, I want to talk about what people can do then, you know, from an outside perspective, right? Because uh-huh. you will always have well-meaning people trying to offer advice, trying to offer words of encouragement, but it may not always land with the, the person you're speaking to. Um, I'll start with you first, Nell. You know, what's your word of advice to people when trying to reach out to someone who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a family member, a loved one, a friend who, you know, is struggling with a health um, scare? How can I reach out? What should or shouldn't I say? Okay. Uh, I'll speak from the point of experience. Mm-hmm. When you reach out to uh, a cancer survivor, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, you, you must know from where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Come from the point of uh, love and empathy mm. and um, try to be as supportive as understanding. I know a lot of people uh, come and, uh, you know, tell me, Oh, Nell, you have to be strong, you know. And here, I, here I am thinking. You mean I'm not strong enough? Huh? I've gone through like what sixteen ke- cycles of chemo, mm. another eighteen cycles of targeted chemo, mm-hmm. another twelve cycle of uh, targeted oral chemo, mm. fifteen cycles of radiotherapy. You know, over three years. Mm. Um, don't, don't you think like you know that requires a lot of strength? That is the epitome <laughs> of strength. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you mean I'm not strong enough? So you know I. I, I know they, they mean well, but mm. sometimes it can get to you. Mm. Um, so for me, sometimes, you know, the best thing is not to say too much. Just be there for them. Just be there for them. And then if they need uh, help to go to their treatments, you mm. know, offer help. Mm-hmm. Um, or offer, you know, ask them what can they, what can you do for them. Exactly. So, yeah, I have to uh, add on to mm. that. I mean, okay, so as uh, also as a caregiver or, mm. or support provider, I would mm. say, so you have to know what we, within your control and what beyond your control when it mm. comes to that mm. patient. Meaning that, yes, you feel sad seeing that patients, maybe seeing your loved one vomiting and uh, uh, struggle with all this pain. Yes, but you have to know what can you do about it and what kind of support you want to give. Mm. So you also don't want to pressure the patient, Mm. meaning by saying things like, come on, you can do it. Like, it can be, I would call this 
toxic positivity. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a good word. So, like yes. so you can, it can be that, meaning mm. that you invalidate how mm. the patient feels. They, they might feel sad, they might... We, we don't want to feel helpless. Exactly, mm. exactly. Or hopeless, you know. Hopeless, mm. yes. Mm. Yeah. So you don't want that. You don't want... Actually, yes, you, your intention is good. You want to help. But you don't know. Maybe that intention can actually pressure and, the And one of the worst things yeah. that someone can say, actually someone did say, um, you know, oh, you can do it now. It's just like flu. Yeah, no. you're right. Just try it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm. So, mm. is the best thing then to just ask what that person just is? ask and be there. Mm. I mean, understand what can you provide? What? How can you support? Mm. Meaning, like uh, Nell mentioned, okay, maybe if that person want to go for treatment, you you want to offer help, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So maybe if they want to do something, they want to eat something, you bring them. You you, yes, you help yes. them. Mm. Actually, um, actually, that's really. Um, I mean, this is one of the best things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Ask them out for for coffee because I I noticed you know for a while I think mm. when when I, I started going for treatments, um, some some friends who have I've been going for coffee and they they they, they stop asking I and see. maybe they thought you know I I I wasn't up to it but how do they know whether I wasn't mm, up to it yeah yeah and sometimes Ask. people also feel that. They feel uncomfortable dealing with that emotions, you know. So I don't mm. know what to say. Exactly, yeah, I don't, don't know, know what, what to, to say. say. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing what what not to say is don't <laughs> compare with another constipation. Yes, you know, like for yes. example, oh, you know, I have an, an, an <laughs> uh, a cousin mm. who has cancer, and then. Well, worst thing you can see, oh, but she died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very depressing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and. What you said about going out for coffees, for example, it's about keeping up with your life, right? Exactly. You don't, you don't you want, want your to, diagnosis to take over your correct. life. Correct. You want to normalise your life as much as possible. Yes. Mm. You still yeah. want to do things that you, you always do mm. before, right? Yeah, you've been mm. doing. You still yes. want to continue doing and know that even though you have this, but you still can moving on. Mm. You want to be use, You want to feel useful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. How can people reach out to BCWA, um, Nell, if, you know, if it's, whether it's for themselves or for their loved ones, um, if they mm. need some support or guidance, can people reach out? Yes, of course. Um, you can uh, go to our web- website. It's uh, www.breastcancer.org.my. Mm. Um, reach out to us um, and come, if you're a breast cancer survivor, patient or survivor, uh, come to our group counselling every third Saturday of the month. Mm. Um, and if you don't want to do uh, group counselling, you can also request for a one-to-one counselling. Mm. And not only that, uh, for um, uh, cancer patients who, are, who has, um, uh, I mean, lost their hair, and we also provide material support like wigs. Mm. And, you know, we, we actually loan the wig uh, to you as long as you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, apart from that, um, we also uh, provide uh, mastectomy bra mm-hmm. and prosthesis mm-hmm. for the B40 group, mm-hmm. and I think there is a discount for breast cancer mm-hmm. uh, for members. Um, so do reach out to us. Um, yeah, don't don't you don't have to go uh, through this alone. Mm-hmm. You know, reach mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, a takeaway message from both of you. I'll start with you, Farhana, for people who are struggling with their physical health about not neglecting their mental health as well. Yes. So um, 
first they have to understand that this is not easy. Mm. Yes, but even with this pain, even with this difficulty, they still can go on and living. They still can do what they want to do. Maybe there are limitations. Of course, they have to understand that, but they can um, go on and live. So how? First, accept. Yes, like what, what uh, I mentioned before. And then as part of that acceptance is reach out. If you need to, reach out. Mm-hmm. Understand yourself and what you, what your strength and weaknesses in these situations and as um, and when you reach out, you also understand that there are people who've gone through this. So you listen to these stories from survivors, that cancer patients, so so that you know, oh, other people can continue living. So mm. yeah, so do that. I like the word reach out. Um, for me, reach out has a two prong. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, one is reach out to get help, mm-hmm. uh, and the other one is reach out to help. Mm. Yes, yeah. in, in my case, uh, one of the things that helped me cope is to support other patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's reaching out to help other people. Um, that's very uh, fulfilling and therapeutic. So yeah. my philosophy is always this, do what you can while you still can. Yeah. yeah. Thank you both so much for coming in today. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Sue Anne, yeah, for thank having you, Sue Anne. us. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. I've been speaking to Naliza Farorozi, Vice President of Breast Cancer Welfare Association Malaysia. She's also a breast cancer survivor. And also joining us is Raja Farhana, Raja Hadayadanin, clinical psychologist for this month's episode of Mind Matters. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Health and Living BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.